Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zance, joined by my co host, Stephen Russo. Very, very special recurring guest, second recurring guest, Will Parkinson of Turn the Jets, host of the TOJ pod. He has his new weekly column that actually just came out today inside the numbers for the Jets. What's up, Steven? What's up, Will? It's good to have you back on the show, Will. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's uh, You guys are doing a fantastic job. Um, it's really kind of just grown each week. So um, that's been really cool to see. I know you guys passed a pretty big milestone of like audio downloads, like 50,000 downloads or something like that. You guys are you're doing a great job getting some big guests. So uh, pleasure to pleasure to be on. Yeah, happy yeah, to man. have you, man. Definitely. And you've been uh, growing the TOJ brand and doing a very nice job yourself since uh, taking it over for Joe. So super, super uh, happy to have you here as the first TOJ recurring guest, man. So uh, I guess we'll kick it off. Well, what do you uh, let, let's start with the injury news. Uh, CJ Mosley kind of shows up on the injury report after London. Uh, we just hear about it, I think, either yesterday or Monday. But what are your thoughts on the, on the CJ Mosley injury here? Uh, I'm a little concerned. Um, usually stuff that gets kind of under the radar head and like that means it's probably a little more serious. It was a little more serious than they wanted to lead on and it's not quite fixed yet. Um, I know solid tried to kind of do the, Oh, we found out about it yesterday. And if it happened almost two weeks ago, I'd have a hard time believing that I know how this stuff works. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he'll be fine. And he, you know, there's a good chance he plays Sunday. Um, But I also think I would be more concerned than not that 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 stuff comes out today. Um, You know, usually when stuff comes out like that during the middle of the week, and they know about it already. It seems like they probably were hoping it wasn't going to be a thing. It kind of felt like Marcus May's ankle a little bit where like you didn't hear about it, didn't hear about it. Oh, it just happened during the game. And then four or five days later, you hear about it. So um, I would be, I would say it's 60, 40, he plays. Um, I wish it was higher. And I, I'm trying to be conservative here just because Mosley has, it did take a long time. Look, he, he had that, you know, groin issue and it all of a sudden turned into a long thing. And I, I'm not saying that this, this is that, but at the same time, um, he has had issues in the past with this type of little stuff that feels like it's a week or two and then it's not. Um, so I, I hope he plays. I think it's imperative he plays for the Jets this weekend. I, I don't think they have a chance to win if he doesn't play. Um, I know linebacker's not glamorous the way quarterback is, but the Patriots' whole offense is middle of the field. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Jacoby Myers is a middle of the field guy. Mack throws 72% over the middle of the field. So um, without Mosley and May coming back for the first time in four weeks, that would scare me a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I think he may probably plays, but I would be a little more concerned than not right now if uh, if he is going to or not. Yeah, I mean, Salah came out and said that with these types of things, you, you kind of judge it by the player. So the fact that Mosley feels optimistic makes me feel optimistic. However, Will, 
You know, I think you're right here because it, it definitely concerns me that it is CJ Mosley. He's the best player on the team. And outside of Zach Wilson, probably the one guy that you don't want to miss at all, specifically coming into a matchup against New England, where, you know, you're going to going up against Belichick and McDaniels. It's going to be a chess match. So when you have a guy that's been playing out of his mind with the intelligence that he has on the, on the defense, um, that's the one guy that you probably don't want to miss for this game. So hopefully he can go. But if he can't, it's going to be problematic, especially considering the uh uh, the rest of the guys in linebacking core that will be playing in this place. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. All good points. And obviously we know what happened when CJ tried to play when he was coming off that, uh, I think it was a core injury. I can't even remember how it's been so long ago and he got, he just wasn't the same. And then he was done for the year. So as much as I want to see him out there on Sunday, because he's the heart and soul of his defense, despite, you know, certain people who write about football saying he should be benched. <laughs> I I had, sorry, I had to bring it up. Um, I, you know, I'd rather do what's best for the team. And if it's like, maybe he just sits a week to heal up, I'm okay with it. But my fear is if he's not out there, the defense is going to get exposed because he's calling out the plays, you know, he's the leader and he's always going silent in the sideline. It's just, it's not a good situation, but I want to transition to a more positive note that Marcus may seem to be practicing. I saw a video of him on the field today. It sounds like he is ready to go, which is great. Um, I think, you know, he'll have to take on a little more responsibility, at least from a defensive play caller perspective, if Mosley's not there. I saw Sherwood would be probably the guy who's the Mike linebacker, but if, I feel like Marcus May will be running that defense if, you know, CJ's not out there because he was captain of the defense last year, even though, you know, we all have our opinions of him, you know, calling him emoji man or whatever. But it's still a positive because it is a young secondary and, you know, now that there's a lot more film on them, I think it's a, it's going to be interesting to see how offenses will attack them. And Mac has already seen what they do, and he's probably going to try to exploit some things maybe he didn't the first time around. Um, I expect Mac to play better than he did. He really wasn't very impressive the first time. We just kind of kept the ball back, and he just was like on training wheels. But getting May back is good. It sounds like Gerard Davis is also not going to be back this game, which I thought was kind of surprising because they were pretty hopeful this is when he would be back. No Becton anytime soon, probably I would say two weeks from now. Um, and the only other person who was listed on the injury report who didn't practice, it was Croft. We probably need Croft back because the tight ends have just been absolutely abysmal, but everyone else was at least limited practice with the exception of the guys who were on injured reserve. Yeah. I mean, I, Davis is difficult because he is an upgrade um, when people want to hear better or not, but I, I, he's not to me is quite as important just because his skill set kind of, he also does a lot of what Quincy Williams does well, which is a blitz and hit people really hard. And coverage is not great, um, which Quincy Williams is also not great in either. Um, yeah, May being back is huge. And I think I'm probably the most bullish on May of uh, the people in turn on the Jets. And it's not that I don't – I think he should be getting $15 million a year or that the Jets shouldn't move if they don't – if they get the proper offer. I just am of the opinion – you the Jets have all the leverage here. There's no reason to trade May unless you get proper – you know, evaluation, whether that be a two, which I think he probably ends up going for to an, you know, a conditional five or conditional six, um, or maybe it's a three and a four, similar Leonard Williams type deal. Um, Douglas has kind of made it clear, like the Jets can franchise him again. And he's a player that 10 million or $11 million tag is nothing for what Marcus May is worth in a short-term deal. He's a very good player. I know Jets fans don't like the emojis and I get it. Like I'm not telling anyone they should or shouldn't that draft is unfortunate because the Jets hit on both guys, right? Like May and Adams are both really good players. Um, as much as we clown Jamal, like he was an all pro with the Jets and and that's, you know, it's just great the value you got for him. I think May will be the same 
obviously they get, you know, the proper value for him, but he's a really important player in this defense. Like Adrian Colbert and Ashton Davis is your starting safety got exposed really badly against the Falcons. The Patriots are another team that relies heavily on that tight end. Those big bodies are athletic. Um, Marcus may play really well in that Patriots game. Like he had that forced fumble early. I think he just sat as well. Um, I, I, he needs to play for them uh, to have a chance this week, whether he does or does not. Um, the other guys mentioned Croft. Croft's not going to play this week. I would not be shocked if he ends up on IR um, later in the week or, you know, early next week. He's missed now three weeks in a row. You're taking up a roster spot for a guy who can't play. And it seemed like pretty serious the way Sal was talking about it. He was like, you guys have no idea what he's kind of going through right now. And it was a back, a chest, ribs. Like, there's there's definitely something there that's that but they're not getting told. And maybe it's trying to wait a week to clear a spot and put him on IR. But, um, you know, of those other guys, look – they just need, you know, Beckton will probably come back week 10 against Buffalo. Um, they have the mini buy post Colts game. That'll be almost nine weeks. Um, the Jets should take their time with Beckton the way they should take their time with CJ Mosley. These are guys that will be here not only this year, you know, Mosley's case probably another two to three years, but Beckton should be your franchise left tackle for the next 10 years. That's why Elijah Vera Tucker, I was happy they didn't rush him back during camp. And I know he struggled week one, but now you're, Getting the, you know, reaping the benefits of him getting up to speed and you didn't rush it and re-injure the chest. Um, so, look, the Jets' are, injuries aren't crucial injuries right now. I mean, they obviously are missing Lawson and Beckton and, and these guys, but at least offensively, you know, fingers crossed, things are pretty much intact. Again, you know, like the defense is going to have a difficult time, but to your Mac Jones point, then I'll obviously pass over to you guys. Max like, had this weird year where it feels like he's played well in prime time, like, in terms of a lot of stuff, but the under the radar decision, like he's got nine turnovers. Like I don't understand why we're pretending like he's this elite game manager right now. He's got six interceptions in his last five games. Um, he's got three fumbles. He's getting destroyed in five-step drops. You heard it on Badlands. You watched it last week. Randy Gregory almost put him in a coma. And they're missing Trent Brown again this week. He's not going to play. The Jets have to take advantage of that. Now, of course, what we've seen against the Patriots for 20 years, and it's going to continue, is the Patriots dink and dunk and take care of the ball, and they just get the ball out quickly. That's why guys like Michael Carter, Javelin Gidry are very important, CJ Mosley as well. Um, but if you get some pressure on Mac, you saw it in the first game. I expect he's gotten better each week. Yes, he's taken a little bit more shots progressively. The Patriots have had 41 fourth downs. They've had a chance to go for it. They've gone for it three times. They're not, they're not aggressive with that. Belichick is like the anti-Brandon Staley and, you know, Sal has even been more aggressive than him. So I'd keep an eye on that and have the Jets defense adjust. There are Ben don't break defense. Eccles has gotten under the radar, not played that great of, of late. He's given up 16 of 23 catches for 175 yards. So like he's giving up plays, just not big plays, but that's part of the defense, right? They're protecting these guys. Bryce Hall has been really impressive. Gidry Carter. So um, I just would, Mac Jones going to attack the middle of the field. The Jets defense has to adjust and, um, you got to force one or two turnovers to get a win on Sunday. Cause if you don't, if you don't steal possessions, it's better chances than not knowing the jets, they're going to turn the ball over. So you got to be careful. You got to play a clean game and win that turnover battle to have a chance Sunday. Yeah. A lot of yeah. good stuff. Will. definitely. Agree I know. With you on that. And I, yeah, I agree with you on may. I think, uh, you know, he's a good player on the field. Like when he's been in there, he's good. And outside, you know, he said this over the summer too, outside his first season as a rookie, like the, the whole injury thing has kind of been overblown. So I think he's, he's definitely played more often than not, 
That's um, the first game he's out, mi- those were the first games he's yeah. missed since rookie year. He's played all 16 yeah. in the last three years. So um, the injury thing, you know, the injury stuff's overblown, but he's a good player when he's on the field. Outside of the off-the-field antics, which aren't even that bad. I mean, did he request the trade? Did he not? You know, the emoji stuff, whatever. He's still a good player out there. So getting him back, especially if Mosley's going to be out, is going to soften that blow. So that'll be great uh, to get him back. You flip the field and go to Croft. Like this was kind of, you know, Croft's definitely the Jets' best uh, pass-catching tight end, which not is not saying much. But this was also his MO in Buffalo. He's got he's injury riddled. You know, he has been throughout his whole career. So I guess the one good thing that can hopefully come of this and you hope that the Jets coaching staff was looking at this over the bye week is maybe it forces their hand a little bit more into, you know, putting the personnel on the field that we should actually see and, you know, stop using 12 personnel, stop forcing two tight end sets down their throats and maybe peel that back and go, you know, more towards three wide. Um, And then, yeah, to your point about Mac Jones, Will, I think you're, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head, man. It's it's obviously salt and wound for Jets fans simply because it's the Patriots, but because Zach Wilson gets dragged through the mud for turnovers, but then you look at Mac Jones and he's like getting crowned for having, you know, it's, it's not the same way, but still, when you look at it, what, what'd you say? Nine turnovers in, in six games. So those are the types of things that just, it, it hurts when you hear it because you're like, how come, you know, Zach Wilson's getting, you know, slandered left and right for playing pretty much the same way and being asked to do a lot more than Mac Jones is. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how the Jets come out of this by how they start. And again, how they, you know, play New England and play Mac Jones here, because this is a, this is a big game for him. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think we were talking about this, like during the, you know, the Cowboys Patriots game in our Slack, it's just like, if, you know, that one play with Kendrick Ward where he just doesn't make a guy miss and go 75 yards on the field, Max Day is pretty underwhelming. I mean, like, he he didn't really do anything. I mean, Dak was tremendous in that game, and they weren't in that game because of Mac Jones. I mean, they ran the ball pretty well. Their defense, you know, made some plays, but he's been fine. I mean, they, they showed, like, I, I was saw on Twitter today, they ranked the PFF grades for all the rookie quarterbacks. Zach is actually the second, believe it or not, despite everyone saying how much he sucks or he's not good or whatever. Listen, he's, you know, I think he's going to play much better coming out of the bye. I mean, you know, I think the turnovers will still be up and down at times. I don't think he's going to throw four interceptions. Knock on wood. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm interested to see if they do make personnel changes and everything like that. I mean, he's got to establish the run. I think that has been the biggest problem with the offense is that they cannot run the ball effectively outside of the Patriot game, which most of the rushing yards were basically when the game was over. And that's why it looked a lot better than what your eyes actually told you. They need what to get 60 yards a game. Like that's, I know it's a passing league. Every, like, every week, dude, it's 19 for 64. I don't like Michael Carter has <laughs> two nice runs and he still ends up with seven for 34. Like it's, it's insane. <laughs> I don't understand. He's the same stat line every single week. It's the same yards per attempt. I'm not blaming him, but they're one block away every time. I know Connor's mentioned this. If you watch the tape, it's literally even like I use this example. I know it's not a running play, but this is where the Jets offense is like it makes me nuts. That throwback to Crowder, right? I mean, roll out. Zach rolls out to the right side. Everyone's like, this play call sucks. OK, well, if you watch the tape, it's a genius play call because everything worked in the way they wanted it to. Nobody followed Crowder. They have two guys. They have two bodies on two bodies. And ABT, who's been amazing, misses a block. Crowder gets destroyed. And it's like LaFleur, oh, he's terrible. The Jets don't run. Dude, if that play hits, that's a 90, 80-yard touchdown, and we're talking differently. Like, Elijah Moore catches this one, or, you know, Crowder does this. Or, like, they are so close to being good on offense. But they haven't done all three. Even the plays that, like, in Tennessee that were great, one of them, Zach fumbled the ball and, like, figured it out. And then the other ones, like, they let up pressure. And, like, Zach, you know, was able to do a lot of great things. And, like, 
they just have not been consistent. And to your point, you know, Corey Davis mentioned this. I know Salah, there's a clip of Salah, like we really evaluated ourselves. You know, I'd like to see what actually happens here because, and I think Steven, one of you guys tweeted out today, like talk is cheap. We've heard this before from the Jets. Have we, we self-evaluated, we've, um, we've really understood ourselves. This was happened last year with Sam. It's like roll out Sam, roll out Sam, roll out Sam. And then they'd be like, okay, they do it once. And then they go right back to like three-step drop, which Sam sucks at. And like, if, obviously he's not here anymore for a reason. Um, so I just, I'd like to see, like, let's see you actually get Elijah more involved. They've tried. They've run seven plays a quarter in the first quarter. It's really bad. That has to change. They cannot go down. I think Joe said this. I, I've, I've said this on the pod. They cannot go down 12, 13, nothing early in the second quarter um, oh. and be like, oh, let's go back to 11 personnel now. Like, it's too late, man. It, this is the NFL. You, you got to be out, come out firing. You had two weeks to prepare for a very average, uh, even if I said above average, this is not the Patriots of, of 2017, of 2008. Like, it's not. Brady's not on that team, and they don't have the elite. Richard Seymour and Ty Law aren't on this team either. So, like, let's chill out. The Jets have better receivers than the Patriots do. Jacoby Myers, I feel bad for him in this sense because he had a touchdown. They called it last week. He's never caught a touchdown in the NFL. He's been in the league for three years. That's crazy. That was like remember with the Chiefs. I think they went a whole season without a wide receiver catching a touchdown, which is like, how is that possible? The Dwayne Bo years. Oh, yeah. Dwayne Bro, like Frankie Havin. That was like when Kelsey and Charles were their entire offense. Yeah. But, uh, I think we're at the point where, I mean, Jets fans are impatient and, and rightfully so. Right. And, you know, we went through two years of Adam Gase where we just, excuse me, we hated everything they did Monday through Sunday. Now we're to the point where, okay, we got a coaching staff we believe in. We got a, you know, we got a head coach that we believe in. So it's like you, you like what you hear from Monday to Saturday, but now you're at the point where it's like, show me on Sunday. Like that's mm-hmm. enough. This is this is the most beatable Patriots team, home or away, it doesn't matter, that we've seen in 20 years. Just go do it. You've had a bye week. It's the Jets. I I, I just looked at it. Since 2009, the Jets are two and ten out of the bye week. Like that is sad. That is 100 percent on coaching. So you've had all this time to look at it. You've had two weeks to prepare for a very very winnable game here. Come out, start fast execute and win this game. Like there's, there's no excuses. We're impatient. We should be win a game here. Score That's a goddamn touchdown on the first offensive possession. Like, please. That was the one thing Gase actually was able to do. And then they couldn't do any of the rest of the game, but it's like score points. It's the NFL. Like, come on, everyone's doing it. Like even the lions who are winless, they could score touchdowns. I feel bad that they've lost so many heartbreakers, but like, at least they're in games. I mean, listen, the Jets have played better since the debacle week two, obviously, in week three. But, you know, they still need to be more consistent. I think – I mean, I think they're going to try some things that they weren't doing, you know, in the first five games. I mean, I'm banging on the tables for some RPOs. You have a mobile quarterback. You yes. can do things. Like, I know I said they should do some design runs for Zach and DJ DJ from the Daily News. is like, no, like, they shouldn't do that. I understand the potential of him getting hurt, but, like – that's his skill set. And, you know, then it makes the defense have to respect him maybe rolling out of the pocket and just going. So, you know, they got to just do some different things. I mean, Elijah getting the ball more, Mims getting the ball more. We all know that. We've been talking about this since the season started. I think they will. I mean, I'm hoping that they maybe use Mims more in like that H back, I mean, the H uh, tight end role, like the same way they used Quincy and Noon one in 2016 when he was awesome. And he just, you know, he unfortunately has been hurt a lot in his career. But I think the offense. <laughs> What do you want to I'll say? Fuck, one of, I just I, that contract drives me nuts. <laughs> it nuts. I think it's one of the most slept on worst contracts it's in the last bad. 30 years of Jets football. 
four for four, four for 36 and was fully guaranteed and played one snap of that contract. One. Everyone's like, oh, Mosley. Dude, you know how much cap hell the Jets get put in with? Those are the deals that, by the way, have screwed them over the years. It's not the, yes, the Le'Veon deal sucked and, like, you could go on and on. There's a couple of them that are really bad offensively. Those are the deals that suck, dude. Like, those are the ones that cripple you because you can't move those guys. There's no value. There's no, like, the number might be big. But, like, Le'Veon, only the money, like, you get out of it. It's already over, right? Where, like, that Quincy deal is still on the cap. They are still paying dead money on that deal, and it's so frustrating. Sorry, I cannot – and then, oh, my wife was a veteran, so I, I couldn't show up to rehab. Okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, but also, by the way, like 2008 was the last time they won in New England. When's the last time they were competitive in New England in a regular season game? Even in 2010, when they won in the playoffs, they got blown out by 40. Yeah, 20, yeah, 2015, 2015 right? they were. They beat them at yep. home that year, and they, were, they actually they, played the entire game and had a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And I forgot they should have won that game. Brandon Marshall dropped the pass. That was a shoe-in touchdown. That would have won yeah, the game. Like, think about, it, like, I don't know, Stephen, you're obviously – well, like, both you guys are actually slightly older than me. But, like, throughout <laughs> Thank your Thank you for only saying slightly. No, sorry. For entire, year, like, childhood and, like, even growing up, like, I felt like the Jets would usually – split with New England or feel like they could split with New England pretty easily. Even when they wouldn't, they could split. In like a house of horrors, when they play the Patriots, it feels like the most uncompetitive games on the schedule. They played Buffalo really well both times last year. New England boat raced. And it's every year. And I just, you know, the the top here and like, you know, yesterday, yeah, of course it's cringy and like, it's annoying that, you know, the Boston media, but like, why wouldn't they mock the Jets at this point? Until the Jets, they have to win some of these games or be competitive or People are not going to respect you. And I know it sucks to hear as a Jets fan and people are probably going to get pissed off. I'm saying this, but you know, even on prime time, like last week, you are the only game on TV. You are playing a one in three Falcons team. They lose. Right. But like the first half when people are really tuned in, they're wide awake and you play like shit. Oh, sorry. You play like, you know, you're not playing well, but like you curse. I'm that, not, yeah, Joe's the one who says don't it's curse. just, you know, that's the stuff that they, it needs to change and it will change. And I have faith it will. I think Salah's is trying to push that. And I think Douglas, and I think all these different things will add up, but like these are opportunities where the Patriots have been really inconsistent. They played the level of competition. The saints killed them in, in New England, and the Saints are not that good. They got smoked by the Giants. Okay. These, these games, right? Miami won there. They haven't won since. Um, I know I'm ranting a little bit. I just I feel like, <laughs> you know, you you have these opportunities in a season. There's probably three or four games that people remember that season by. You went in New England. Um, you know, you feel really good at going into that Cincinnati game. You lose by 20 points again. Like, how many people are showing up to MetLife? Now you're one in five. And like, I'll be there like an idiot that I am because that's what I love to do. But, you know, I, I don't want to be the only one in my section. Like, I want to be around people that are like, let's go. Like, the Tennessee game is great. Like, go play. Go have fun. Like, you're a young team. There's no excuse to start slow. There's no excuse to be scared of the moment. What Like, the Jets, Zach Wilson never played New England. Don't go into a shell. Just ball out. Who cares? You lose, you yeah. lose. Everyone thinks you're going to anyways. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The, the, calling this a rivalry, I mean, calling this a rivalry over the last, what, 10 years uh, is a mistake. It's not a rivalry. They've won how this many? Is, 19 this is Mets Braves of like 2000s where like it really oh, has never been a rivalry. In yeah, life. like 19 out of 21 games that the Patriots have taken against us. Like you can't call it as one sided. You can't call it a rivalry. But this is a different Patriots team like that old New England. team. It's only New England by name. Like this isn't the same team. Brady's gone. Like this is this is winnable. So you beat this team in New England. This changed the narrative for the entire season. Like we felt like we were on cloud nine after that overtime win against Tennessee. Imagine what happens if they go in to New England and beat this team. And, and you're, you know, you're two and four, which I mean, it still sounds bad, but second you're, place. Two, and, you're, <laughs> you're two and four after the bye week that we had. I mean, that was the best bye week we've ever experienced as Jets fans. I literally right? want so you, to talk about that. <laughs> if, if you come out of this and you win in New England and you got Cincinnati who listen, Cincinnati's playing, you know, they're, they're playing better than I think people anticipated, but getting Cincinnati at home and then a, a beatable Colts team again. I mean, there's a real chance you could be four and four. So win this game, show that things have changed, show that you can look at your team and be objective and make changes during the bye week that need to be made. And that this is a true regime change and that this is a team that we can get behind. This changes everything. Just go do it. Like I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hoping the narrative to change like let me just please see it i, I need to see it in action i'm tired of yeah. it and if Sal, if they don't put that video of tom Curran making fun of us in that locker room on every single day this entire week like come on guys like like stand up for yourself show us some place with some damn pride it's like we've been like you guys have been saying two and what are we two and night two, two and 19 the last 21 games against them like come on let's get something going here like listen i it's it's tough with Belichick, but you want to know the the point that you could you could actually look at and why they should actually be a lot better than we think. Davis Mills, who sucks, like he's had this is one good game he's played as a rookie, lit them up and they should have won that game. And then David Cully with that fake pawn, I don't even know what else they were doing, and they got they just like eked out that win, and they literally be one in five right now if that didn't happen. I know they obviously had chances to win a couple other games. I know. They played Tampa pretty well. Obviously, they played Dallas pretty well. But, you know, they didn't win the game, so it doesn't matter. And just, you know, Zach Wilson can do it. Like, he just watch what Davis Mills did. You have more arm talent than that guy. You're more athletic than that guy. You have better players around you than that guy from a skill skill player possession. Skill, a skill player perspective. Jesus, I can't even talk. I just, like, thinking in my head. And I'm just like, come on, let's get this going. But um, I want to go back to the bye week because, like Steven said, when was the last time so many good things for a Jets fan has happened in a bye week? We had the Dolphins lose, and now they're, you know, worse than us record-wise. Even if they win, the Jets are still ahead of them if, if the Jets win. Buffalo losing, who I did not think we're going to lose because, you know, Tennessee's been kind of up and down. And somehow, you know, everyone's like, oh, talking about Derrick Henry. Oh, he's got more touchdowns than the Jets. Well, we played them. He did well against us. 
But who won the game? The Jets won the game. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about the receivers on Tennessee that weren't there. Derrick Henry, you know, he's one of the he's one of the you know 15 best players in the NFL. I mean, like every team wants him on their team. Um, obviously, you know, the Giants lost and they're you know headed nowhere. And my friends keep saying, "Why do you care about the Giants losing?" I'm like, "You wonder why?" Because my whole life is a Jets fan. When the Giants had Eli and they were good, everyone would just make fun of me. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's nice that you guys have to deal with what I've dealt with so many years as Jets fan. It's frustrating. And then obviously, um, you know, both teams that control pretty valuable picks that we have lost. And, you know, the Seahawks thing is, is huge. I mean, like, like I'm a Geno Hive guy. You know, I went to West Virginia. He was there while I was there. So I always have a special place for him. I thought he played all right. But, like, him losing didn't exactly make me feel, you know, bad. You know, I was pretty happy. And obviously, Sam, he was terrible in that game. They had that one good driver. I was like, oh, he's, oh, he's back. And I'm like, he was 17 for 41. I saw that he had seven drop balls. If you do that math, you add those set. If they caught every single one of those, just assuming his completion percentage was still sub 60%. I don't care. He was 41% completion percentage. This is the NFL. Like even as bad as Zach has been, I think the worst he was like 52%, like 41%. Like what? Right, the bye week was <laughs> the bye week was uh, was obviously really positive for the Jets, which is why CJ mostly being hurt is not a surprise. Um, everything that's good that happens to the Jets, it was followed by a bad thing, then will be followed by a good thing. That's unfortunately the way our lives as Jets fans have gone. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I'm not con- I'm not concerned about that. I mean, look, that Panthers game was great for the Jets because either the Vikings pick gets better in the fourth round or the second round pick and the fifth rounder get better. So like, um, you know, I don't know. The Jets have made a lot of moves over the last two years joe douglas made a bunch of trades um what he turns those stand up yeah whatever (laughs) whatever he turns those picks into is obviously what's most important but um no one he's traded has like been unbelievable like yeah robbie was good last year and then robbie was awful on sunday i mean he could not have played worse and i know sam was really bad and he had a good drive at the end and of course robbie had a good drive at the end too um he's still really inconsistent he's a head case and like I know it sucked last year, but in the end of the day, you end up with Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims. Like, you, you move on from that. Uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to kind of bring up just with the New England game, sorry, I don't mean to change the topic, but I'm really okay. curious on how Zach's going to play on Sunday in terms of a confidence level, in terms of taking shots. I think part of why Zach is special and why the interceptions don't bother me, there's a couple that have bothered me a lot because I think they're stupid interceptions and, like, you see it and you're like, dude, come on. Um, other ones, they don't bother me. So – does he throw a pick early and get in a shell and start to check down and check down Charlie? And he's just, you won't, you won't take shots. Cause that's what makes him great. Right. And, or could potentially be great. Um, does he come out early and not take shots at all? And, and just doesn't want to throw in like, that would really concern me. That'll, that'll really bum me out. And that'll be something that like, even if they win, I'll be bummed out about because that's, that doesn't have that it does not bode well for the future. If we're going to go, you're going to go play new England every time you're going to get freaked out. I don't think that'll happen. Um, but I would be very cautious of like that first quarter, take a shot early and just get it out of a system. Like you have no excuse. You are going to go in here and you're going to play the way you are play football. And if, if they don't do that and they start doing, you know, second, first and 10 run, second and 10 run, third, third and five. And they, they check it down. That'll throw that'll the ball first down. Throw yeah, the ball yeah, first they, down. They, they, never they, do do th- they do throw it. Sometimes it's more of like the actual play call of like him and drop back play action stuff he does like the really hard stuff well and the really easy stuff in the system he's doing really badly like the play yeah. action under center quick game stuff he's been like quite frankly the worst quarterback in football over the first five games and I, I know people don't want to hear that but it's the stats backed it up 
the other stuff, the off script plays, the seven step, five step drop in the Shanahan offense is like the last thing you get good at. And he's good at it right now. And then the other stuff, he's like the Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kirk Cousins stuff, he like cannot do. So I just take a shot early and get it out of his system. Like you have no excuse to take shots. You're a rookie year, it's a free year. You could lose by 40 points and you're not getting your job lost. So yeah, just play, dude. Don't turn into I, what Sam did at the end of with New England, where it's like he can't take shots, and that's what sucked. There's, a, I think, there's a lot to unpack here. So, Will, I, I agree with you on Zach, and I think a lot of that though falls on the floor too. Like if Zach comes out, because uh, I, I 100 agree with you. I like that Zach pushes the ball down the field, and you can tell it's just different watching him. He, he, I think he has a propensity to just to go for the big hit, which sometimes can be a negative. Uh, but I'd rather have a guy that's going to take a shot instead of just you know not even look at the shot just to check it down. So the fact that he's missing easy throws, I think that's way more correctable than a mindset where a guy doesn't look downfield. But you like if they do that and he makes a mistake, okay, so be it. But I think that's as much on the floor to not allow him to go into a shell because I think we saw that in the first England game where you know they actually drove the ball down in the first half when the game was still within reach. And I think they ran three times in a row, like from the seven or eight yard line. And you just knew, you knew that he was too afraid to, to have, uh, to have Zach throw another pick. And then all was over at that point. So I think it's as much on the floor to kind of let it loose a little bit and let Zach play his game, especially in New England, not be scared of the moment and, and what's going on here. The fact that they are playing New England away. Um, but you know, that's one of those things that that kind of broadens out to a bigger picture of, and I know Connor's been a big supporter of this on, on the Badlands feed, which is like, you're playing with house money from a coaching staff perspective, from, from Sala, from LaFleur. This is a free year, man. Get aggressive. See what the kid has. See what your team has. Push the ball down the field, man. If it's fourth and four on the 40 in opponent's territory, go for it. Like this is your year to do that. No one's losing their job. No one's going to lose their job over this stuff. So this is where you have to go for it. So I think um, those are all good points that you brought up. Well, I, I really do. I love the fact that Zach has a propensity to throw the ball down the field. I want to see it more and not get scared of the moment here, especially against New England. Yeah. It's it's very true. You know what it reminds me of when we're talking about he, he could do all these really difficult things well, but he can't do the, the easy things. He's like J.R. Smith. Like J.R. Smith would make these ridiculous like 30-foot three-pointers, but then he would miss layups. And you're just like, like you're how is this possible? But obviously it's a different sport, but it's just it's frustrating. And you know what I'm interested to see? I know that Zach was saying to the media before he had he, I guess they had left for the bye week, was that he's going home to Utah to the family, but he also was gonna be working with his personal coach, John Beck also former NFL quarterback, went to BYU. I'm interested to see, you know, if there's things that he did with Beck personally, because like, you know, you know, Nap obviously passing away has impacted, you know, what's going on from that perspective. It's like, how does the guy that he feels the most comfortable with from a coaching perspective, because he's working with him since the pre-draft process, help him correct some things? Because I'm sure that he's saying, you know, make sure that you're not hitching too much. Cause that's actually been one of his biggest. Oh, problems. Mechanic, dude, mechanically, like you could watch it. I, I tweeted out the clips and like, look, I didn't play quarterback, but like I, I'm very close to my college quarterback. I'm close to other quarterbacks. Like when he throws to the right, I, I'm serious. Watch this on Sunday. When he throws to the right, it's like, a, it's like when Stan and judge will pull off a, a slider outside and it's like, they can hit the outside pitch. They fly open. Um, and it's like his leg, his feet or legs are all off and he, he sails stuff to the right. When he comes back to the left, he stays close, and it's like a dot every single time. He's like steep outs. These things are like, again, the difficult throws to the opposite hash. He has the couple of Corey Davis against Tennessee, um, but then to the right side, the ball sails on him to put the game away. I'm curious. I'm telling you, watch on Sunday the way he throws to the right side versus the left. All those bad throws we've seen almost are all exclusively in structure to the right. Out of structure, obviously, the two beautiful plays against 
going to see you're amazing because it's like you're not thinking. But like when he throws to the right, I'm just telling you what, just keep an eye on it. It's not something that maybe he fixed it. I hope he did to point to go home, work with John Beck, kind of reset a little bit. That, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a little more close attention to that. Because a lot of times now when I'm watching them, especially on offense, I'm looking at what Vera Tucker's doing because I want to see him just maul people besides obviously what Zach's doing. But um, guys, definitely want to transition, you know, everybody picking at least one key to the game and then we'll do score predictions. So I'm going to kick it off with you, Stephen. Give me your key to how the Jets can win this game and what's the score prediction? Oh, boy. All right. So I think the key to the game and I always go, you know, bigger picture, but obviously it's going to be very telling how quickly they start. But I think even in the in the first five games that the Jets have played, I don't think they've gotten manhandled by anyone. Right. You could even say that, you know, they played three competitive games and even in the two that weren't competitive, I think the Jets have beat themselves more than any team has really dictated to them. Right. So that's going to be the key here is I, I want to see that. They still stay aggressive, but that Zach doesn't make the mistakes, that nobody makes the the, the serious, uh, you know, big mistakes that lose them the game, that they play, um, you know, pretty much error-free football. Because we've already talked on this uh, on this show how many times. The Jets just simply aren't good enough to overcome some of the mistakes that have been happening. So how they've corrected, you know, some of those easy things, how they come out, what penalties look like, like I think that's obviously a, a big thing. So if the Jets don't beat themselves, that's really what I'm most interested in. Don't turn the ball over. Maybe force a turnover or two. That'd be kind of nice. Get their first pick of the year would be great. Um, but really, if it's, you know, what I'm looking for is the Jets to not beat themselves. From a game pick perspective, man, um, it's like, what do they say about the rain dance? It's, it works because, you you know, you don't stop dancing until it rains. Like, that's what I'm going to do. So I I want it to happen. I'm going to I'm going to keep saying it until it does. I think the Jets win here. Twenty seven twenty. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to will it into existence. That's what right, that's what's going to happen here. All right, well, give us your um, key to the game, game, I would say try to make it make it as ugly and dirty as possible. Um, this if the Jets get into a game where it's like team versus team, their team is worse than New England and you have a worse coach. I know I love Salah. I hope he becomes amazing. But right now, Belichick's the best coach of all time or um, one of the two or three best. So make it an ugly game for some for some you know bad punts or special teams play, something that's going to get you steal possessions, I think. Making an ugly game, staying possessions is the way you win on the road in the NFL, whether you're the Jets or any other team. Um, they're not going to outscore people at this point, although they have scored 20 plus points two weeks in a row um, after scoring like six, I believe, over two weeks. They've scored 47 the last two weeks. So um, that's something to build on. Uh, from a game pick perspective, I'm not going to be quite as optimistic as you. They're wearing the white jerseys and green pants, which is <laughs> a freaking disaster. Um, I wish they would put those and burn those jerseys. Um, if CJ Mosley plays and Marcus may both, I, maybe I changed my pick, you know, on the show on Friday, but for right now, I'm going to go 24, 16 Patriots win, um, close game, but the jets, you know, do what they've done the last couple of weeks where like they get themselves back in it. Um, and it's just, they can't get that one stop because the defense is a little gas. So 24, 16 Patriots, but I hope I'm wrong again and just make it an ugly game and much it's unwatchable. It's the best chance to win. All right. All right. So I'll give you guys a key on offense, key on defense. Starting with defense, get to the quarterback. You have to rush the, the passer. And we saw what the Jets could do against Tannehill. He really didn't play well against the Jets. And we know with this offense that, you know, McDaniels likes to run, if the quarterback is uncomfortable, that's when they, they actually begin to really sputter a bit. And we know Mac last week was not great against a pass rush that, with Dallas. So mimic that game plan. You saw what he could make him really, you know, tick a little bit. So if they do that, I could feel good defensively. Offensively, we already talked about this. 
establish the run. We need to get that ball moving. Like we need to open things up so that the defense isn't expecting Zach to just drop back 45 times. Like we need to actually show that this team can get through the, you know, run through the tackles, you know, get to the outside, get a, get a hundred yard rusher. Like that is so important in this game. As far as game picks, I'm more leaning on what Will's saying. I'm going to say 28, 21 new England, but it's going to be entertaining. We're not going to be upset. I'm almost trying to do this as a reverse change just because I don't want to get my hopes up, but you know, if Mosley plays, maybe I'll feel differently. Who I don't know, but God bless Joe. I know Joe is going into that building for the first time in a long time with his family because I know his wife's family is up, aren't Pat's fans because I don't know how he'll be able to handle it. <laughs> so I, I want to touch on just, you know, there's one more thing that I think, maybe two more that, uh, that I think we can watch out for. One is that the Patriots defense was on the field a lot against Dallas in an emotional yeah. loss where the defense gave up like 570 plus yards. It was the most by a Bill Belichick defense ever. Right. So we kind of saw the same effects of that. Granted you throw a London trip in with the, you know, with the jets, but the jets defense on the field for 90 plus plays against Tennessee, then they come out and they're looking really, you know, extremely flat against Atlanta. Well, now the Patriots defense is coming out uh, against the jets team that has had two weeks off now. So that could be something to keep an eye out for. The other thing I wanted to mention is maybe for once the Jets just get lucky for years. We have watched like our quarterbacks just go out there and just have complete turds of games. So maybe Mac Jones just come out, comes out and lays an egg and the Jets get lucky for once. And they get like a standard, you know, run of the mill rookie performance where he throws up three picks and just looks awful. I can, I can dream. Right. I mean, it could happen. It could happen. Oh, yeah. to us, finally. Dude, the, you're not wrong though. The emotional roller coaster of the Patriots has been very similar to a lot of young teams. The Patriots aren't, yeah. well, but so, but like, Look at week one, emotional loss to Miami. It's a one possession game. Like the Patriots can very easily be five and one and they can be 0 and six. Like there's no, the NFL is usually like two or three plays against Houston. Yeah, they look terrible against Houston the first half against after that emotional Tampa Bay game. They're terrible against New Orleans after the Jets win. They look terrible. Um, but Dallas like didn't play well and threw up almost 600 yards of offense. And I know Dallas is a buzzsaw. And obviously, the Jets are not Dallas. We can dream of one day having that offense. Um, that game was a two or three possession game if they don't fumble and turn the ball over three mm-hmm. times in the red zone. Um, so go for again something else. Go for it on fourth down. I think you mentioned this before, but will you if you're past your own forty, go for it. What's yeah. the, like just hold? You can hold them to three all day long if you're going for it. One or two of those are going to pop, and and force the Patriots into like if you get stopped if you win third down and you go for it on fourth down as an offense, um, this game will be very competitive because the Patriots again are the most conservative team in the entire league on fourth down. They kneeled the ball three straight times with two minutes left at home in a must-win game. Like, they don't trust Mac to do that. And, Mm -hmm. and, like, Mac gets a little more hate, by the way, than he probably deserves. It gets a little too much love from the national media than he deserves. It's kind of – he's in between. That's really why. I think it's a desire to to see the next Brady. Like, that's what they want. They just want – and and he looks the part. He's – yeah, that's what it is. It's a desire to make Zach Mm -hmm. the next laughingstock Jets quarterback. And, and like – Again, it's hard to blame people because that's this business has unfortunately become a lot about clicks. And Mac Jones gets clicks when they say he's great, and you know, Zach gets clicks when they say he sucks and all that stuff. But you got to, I guess, I think you got, we've all kind of hammered this. And that's why I think Steven's picking them too. It's like you're the Jets are due. <laughs> like eventually you're due to win one of these games. Um, but yeah, like, if you make it ugly and you just, dude, go for it every fourth down. Who cares? The Chargers went for it on their own 20 yard line two weeks ago. Against the Browns, like this isn't an offense, whatever. Like, just do it. Who cares? Yeah, House no, money. It's, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, like, it's just be aggressive and try. So, mm-hmm. Will, I know you are very close to a very interesting situation that's going on in the league. I wanted you to kind of touch on a little bit because 
you know, a few things. So <laughs> we, we saw today that the Deshaun Watson to Miami rumors have resurfaced. So it's like, you know, how'd you give the listeners and viewers just a few things that, you know, you know, real quick, because obviously, you know, you were talking about this around Labor Day and you kind of got burned, but you know, you, you took it, you know, you understood that you were given information and it wasn't a hundred percent didn't happen, but it's coming back. So what do you know? Yeah, basically kind of the way things have gone since March, Deshaun wants to be a dolphin um, from a lifestyle perspective. He likes the kind of outlook of what Miami is. Steve Ross has talked for months about wanting Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously legal stuff threw a wrench in it. Um, as it did for most teams, I don't think the Dolphins really quite care about that. Um, from what I understand, Steve Ross is like okay with kind of what's going on. I'm not saying he's a good or bad person for it. I just think he wants to win football games and has been looking for Dan Marino for the last 30 years. So, um, and then, you know, around Labor Day, Deshaun's people were very confident it was going to happen. Miami thought it was going to happen. The Texans wanted, uh, or Miami wanted conditions in the picks. Um, to basically, uh, you know, if he were to get suspended or put on the commissioner's exempt list, basically he, the, you know, Miami wouldn't have to give certain picks or, you know, things of that nature if he was on the roster. And as Houston should have, they, you know, at the last minute were like, nope, we're not doing this um, unless you're going to change. Deal did not happen. Um, there's a lot of pressure right now on Chris Greer and Brian Flores. They're one in five. Two has not been very good. He's been hurt a lot. Um, Chris Greer has made some interesting moves as GM. Um, one of them is trading up this year when they had extra draft capital to draft the receiver and not address the line and the quarterback and all that stuff. So, which everyone already knows, um, Houston is in a spot where like they're leaking information that it's close to being done. Um, if you notice the entire Houston beat at one moment, all got the same information, um, which usually means that's being coming from Houston now. Um, before a lot of the stuff was from Miami. So, I still would expect, you know, if it doesn't happen, uh, I would be surprised at this point. Um, I know there's information from two as people that I've heard as well that like they're not happy with the situation and with Miami as a whole. So um, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of variables, not the most important, which is Deshaun's 22 pending allegations, which I cannot state enough. Like people need to focus on that stuff because it is really important and it's really serious stuff. And I know it's all about football and the NFL has made, you know, there's been a lot of examples of guys that have done bad things that have gotten second chances. I'm not saying he shouldn't, but it is really important. We do highlight that stuff. And I think our channel's done a really good job of like that comes first, um, the seriousness of that. But again, I think the Texans and Dolphins would like to get this done before the deadline. I, I would expect it to happen. I will report it once it does happen. And I, you know, I can confirm it from multiple people, but um, Deshaun wants to be in Miami. He believes he will be in Miami uh, this season. The Dolphins want to make this happen. Steve Ross wants to make it happen. Chris Greer to save his job, I think would like to make this happen. They have to find a suitor for Tua. Um, it seems like Washington and Denver names have been floated. I don't believe that'll happen. Washington potentially, but Rivera liked him out of college. I mean, look, you could look at Carolina as a team, maybe that like, gets in the mix there. You look at Pittsburgh, Seattle, potentially if Russ is out for a while. So um, I'd watch that stuff. I think Deshaun will get moved to Miami, whether it be before November 2nd, which I expect if not, it'll happen in the off season. Like, it's inevitable. It'll happen. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the full three, four minute kind of jux of what's <laughs> kind of gone on over the last nine months. Yeah. And you know what, for people out there, Will is just telling you what he knows and, you know, he's just feeding information. So you don't need to, like, say things to him because it was kind of ridiculous. He's just telling you what he hears. Shouldn't kill myself? <laughs> yeah, you should not. Uh, but thank you, guys, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Be sure to obviously follow Will on Twitter at Willpa. Is it at Willpa11 or just at Willpa? I can't ask yeah. Willpa11, yeah. Willpa11. <laughs> All right, at Willpa11. 
He also has Wilpon 11 on TikTok and also Instagram. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the pod, our pod, which is uh, for our show, Will's show. And now next week, draft season returns. So you will be getting your NFL draft fix from the wonderful guys over at draft season. They also have a new site coming out. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I'm sure that people are excited to know that there'll be an exclusive home for draft season content. And as always, make sure that you join the Patreon for Badlands. Great stuff. Love Connors All-22. I love the 12-pack. 12-pack's the reason I really got you know, involved with TOJ. And um, make sure that you use the promo code at TAPRM, Jets50. $50 off $100 worth of beer. I've used it. I've tweeted it out. It's awesome. I know Will and Steve are going to do the same thing. And uh, last but certainly not least, Make sure you check out our watch party for the Colts Thursday night game on November 4th. It's at the Shepherd and the Knucklehead in Hoboken. It's going to be a great time. I'll be there. Will will be there. Joe, Connor, Dalvin, I think Greg, and a few other people may be there. It'll just be a fun time. Hopefully the Jets win, but if not, you know, $48 open bar for three hours, tax and tip included, and you really can't beat that. (laughs) But anyway, hope everyone enjoyed. We'll chat with you guys next week.